You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. It is Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. Dave Biddle is still on vacation. Our long Bucknuts nightmare continues. I am here with the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Once again, I must remind you to please subscribe to the podcast. We have had a tremendous uptick in subscribers since we started actually asking for them. And it's key because at the end of every month, they send out a chart here at 24-7. And we are in competition with other brethren sites, which I must remember today not to take shots at any SEC sites, for which I am being pilloried. But I digress. We need you to subscribe so we can win this battle. Okay, backs. We asked for questions about the team. We've crushed recruiting lately. Had the fong on yesterday. Mark and Bill will be back tomorrow. So there's nothing you and I can say on recruiting right now that will trump that. So we thought we'd double down on team content, team chatter today. So we go right to the board. And the first question comes from Bayou Buckeye 1995. Backs. Who is someone that no one is talking about on the roster? That will be a household name by mid-October. What's our definition of no one is talking about? Because I feel like any name we mention here, somebody on Bucknets is going to go, I'm talking about him. So, uh, you know, I think that there's a number of guys we could take a look at there. Um, You know, we're all talking right now about uh, Davison Igbenosen. I think the average Buckeye fan has no clue who he is. I think the average Buckeye fan by October 1st will have a very large idea of who he is. So that would be one that I think everybody's going to have to take a look at. Um, I, I think that, uh, I think that CJ Hicks is another name that, you know, us recruit Nick people, the people who are buck nuts are very familiar with. I don't think the general public is as familiar with Hicks right now as, as we are. That's another name. I think that everybody's going to be very familiar with to say the least. And then I'll throw a wild card out there right now. Um, Right, right now we uh, we know what the offense is going to look like. We know a lot of who these some of these guys are, but you have to remember that you know it's not just Mecca Buka, it's not just Marvin Harrison. Um, you know, there's a lot of receivers out there that are going to be making a difference. So I'm going to throw the name Jaden Ballard out there. Uh, I think he's a guy that you know when they're letting him run for C.J. Stroud at Pro Day, 
Uh, this is a guy that the coaching staff clearly has a lot of faith in. So I wouldn't be surprised one bit if Stroud was a guy that ended up – or not Stroud, sorry. Ballard was a guy that ended up being very much a household name uh, midway through the season. And what's a better way to be a household name than catching touchdown passes? Those are all good choices. Um, I think the guy that's going to have the biggest increase in chatter is a low-hanging fruit one. It's Kyle McCord because though oh, we're yeah. talking about him a lot. There's nothing like talking about the Ohio State quarterback, so we will get to that. Did you see his sweet whip that he got, Dan? I did. I did. There's, <laughs> a question. There's actually a question here from Robert McIntosh. With McCord getting his new ride, does that mean he'll start? Um, I would assume the dealership certainly hopes so. That's a, that's a sweet ride. We've come a long way since uh, selling gold pants was considered treason. Um, and Terrell Pryor had like a like a 2009 Maxima or something was his like fancy car that everybody was all up in arms about. Now your quarterback's got a hundred and thirty thousand dollar Benzie. <laughs> I think uh, there are probably some professional Buckeyes that would stop by the Woody parking lot and be coveting. So I know I am. Yeah. Question two, and this is I'm going to boil this one down here because. JB Buckeye kind of answered it for us, but what do you expect at tight end? Um, JB Buckeye thinks we're not talking enough about Joe, Joe Royer. Um, and Jelani Thurman has even stole some of that. Your vibe on tight end. And would you be shocked if Joe Royer ends up our most productive tight end from a pass catching standpoint? Yes, that would be shocked. <laughs> When you're bringing back a, a fifth-year senior starter who had a very large role at the position last year and was one of the – he's the most most productive tight end we've had since Ben Hartsock, I think. So, you know, that's that's a long time. That's two decades. That's two decades that we keep having say, when are we going to have the guy? And we finally found the guy. And now we're saying, nah, you know, we're going to go for the newest unproven guy. That's classic, like, whataboutism if you will, right there. So at the end of the day, no, I don't think Joe Royer is going to be our most productive tight end. I don't think Jelani Thurman is going to be our most productive tight end, at least not this year. So uh, at the end of the day, you know, we, we could talk about it left and right, but I don't see that being the, the case. Now, I think they're going to be players that are on the field a fair amount this year, but they're not going to be more productive. The, again, you have a guy who was an all big 10. You have a, a, the most caught passes caught by a tight end in, in 20 years coming back. We're not going to, we're not going to be over, superseding him at that position, barring injury this year. Yeah. I imagine if uh, Cade's put it this way, if this season turns out the way we all hope, um, I'm pretty confident that we will look back at the return of Cade Stover and Tommy Eichenberg from not just a play, but a leadership perspective um, and just overall toughness perspective. I think that will be key. All right. They're the Mike Doss candidates for the season. If Ohio State walks away with a natty, we're going to be smiling and saying they came back to win a natty just like Mike Doss. That would be glorious. Um, Riptide614, I think this is a Kentucky-related Bit of sarcasm, but it made me chuckle, so I'm going to let him have the floor here. Regarding Coach Jay and his staff's recruiting philosophy, philosophy, excuse me, do they recruit primarily grown men, 
G-R-O-A-N, or do they evaluate based on groaning pains and talent development ceiling? Thank you. You can comment in any way you see fit there. Vince Marrow took a big L. That's that's the biggest one here. For those who aren't aware, for those of you who aren't aware, when Demarion Witten committed Ohio State, Kentucky's uh, tight end coach, his name's Vince Marrow, and he's a former Ohio like high school coach, I believe. He has Ohio ties. Uh, got all salty on Twitter and got on there and essentially wrote a fairly incoherent post that included, I got a grown SEC man, except grown was spelled like grown, which is I'm sure what happened with uh, Kentucky's coaching staff when they saw that tweet. And it's still up um, miraculously. So, yeah, needless to say, that's one of the bigger L's I've taken for a sore loser in recruiting. But what do you expect? You're going to beat Ohio State for a Glenville kid? Come on. Be realistic here. Yeah, that was uh, that's some sour grapes right there. Um, Stony Rock, do you feel Justin Fry will change the running game and will we have more success with his style? I mean, did we not have a, lo- a good level of success last year with the running game? I, I you know, that, that, I don't, I don't know if the. Look, you're talking versus man blocking versus zone, and it's the different blocking schemes here, and there's going to be some of those concepts that come into play. And I get that, and there's times that that's going to be helpful, uh, certainly depending on who your backs are, right? But I would argue last year the issue we had at tailback more than anything was is that we couldn't keep people healthy. I think if we're being real blunt here, right? We lost Evan Pryor for the year. Trey Henderson had a constant foot injury, never really had him at 100%, right? Uh, Mayan Williams fought through stuff left and right. We're at the point where we were switching the guy back from linebacker, giving him the most carries in the Michigan game. Yeah, like the running game last year was not the byproduct of scheme or talent. It was a byproduct of injuries and a ton of them to the running back position. So looking at this year, uh, you know, you have four or five guys that have proved uh, uh, that we were pretty confident in this year in that running back room. Uh, the running back, the running game is only going to get better, in my opinion, because you're going to have better health from the guys who were toting the rock. I don't, I don't think it's a coaching scheme thing that was ever an issue. You know, we weren't complaining about the running game in, in, in whenever, you know, you had healthy running backs that were moving up and down the field. At the end of the day, you know, a couple of years ago, we could point back to where we had trouble in short yardage. And that was certainly something that, that can be a discussion point. But I don't think that was the issue last year. I think last year was plain and simple nuts and bolts. We weren't healthy at the running back position really the entire season. So I would look more at that, that improvement of health at the very deep group of guys that are going to carry the ball this year than I would look at any coaching adjustments as why the running game's going to improve. Yeah, I can't remember when the running back room has been this deep in terms of really five or six guys that you could get through a game with and be real comfortable. Yeah, um, I, it's I, crazy. I would think there'd be more question about the offensive line when it comes to the running game, just because there's a couple guys on there who won't have been um, as proven, but I'd be, I I don't have a tremendous amount of concern about the the running game or Justin Fry for that matter. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a uh, recruiting ish question. So we'll tackle it. Will Aaron Nolan ever jump Jaden Davis? I assume they mean the 24 seven sports rankings. Considering he has outperformed him in head-to-head competition, 
And then the second question is how high will Tavian St. Clair climb by his senior year? Well, let's start with St. Clair. How how high will he climb by the next recruiting ranking update? Because the answer is going to be pretty damn high. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think everybody who said, oh, wow, we took a three-star kid from Ohio is showing a little ignorance on what Tavian St. Clair has done the last few months, uh, the way he's rocketed upwards. Um, and I think you'd have probably a stronger answer as to exactly where he'd land than me, but he looks like a top five quarterback when it's all said and done in the 2025 class. So that's a kid that's moving way up. Uh, as for Aaron Nolan, look, at the end of the day, when you're talking about top five quarterbacks in the country, you're, you're splitting hairs at a certain point here. I mean, go back to any of these years and look who the top five guys are. Was Justin Fields the – Number one QB? No, he's the number two QB. Oh, okay. whoop de doo Was C.J. Stroud the number two or the number four QB? I think he was fifth or something with C.J. Stroud's ranking coming out of high school. He was a rising guy by the end of the day. Like whenever he was initially recruited, he was a little lower down. Still turned out to be a stud, right? At the end of the day, when you're talking, oh, is he number two or is he number four? Is he number five? You know, at the end of the day, this is a guy that Ryan Day is very high on. And these other guys aren't being developed by what is quickly becoming the premier place to be a quarterback. I mean, Lincoln Riley and Ryan day are the two quarterback gurus right now that everybody out there should be talking about and looking at whenever it comes to quarterback. <clears throat> so if Aaron Nolan doesn't pass him, then, Oh, well, right. At the end of the day, it's, I would say, I think Aaron Nolan's going to be a potentially more productive player in college and knowing what we know about Aaron Nolan, you know, his physical attributes are, are certainly elite, but everything around that to him, he looks like he's the whole package in terms of the commitment it takes to be an elite quarterback, the personality type. I mean, everything I've read, seen, heard about the kid is that there's something special when it comes to the intangible side, the leadership side, um, on top of being an elite athlete and an elite passer. So does it matter, I guess, is the bigger question. I could certainly see it happening, but at the end of the day, second or fourth or whatever, you're still talking about an elite player at that position. We may be under attack by my dog here in just a sec here. I apologize for that. I always broadcast uh, with someone else in the house, but my youngest son is actually having a screw removed from his elbow this morning during basketball. So uh, I'm solo. But uh, let me hit those two questions real quick. I, I would be shocked if Aaron Nolan does not end up ranked higher than uh, Jaden Davis when all is said and done, especially because if you've heard Andrew Ivan speak on it, he's the director of scouting. And I got the real sense that uh, Aaron Nolan has done enough, especially at the elite 11 and stuff like that, where he finished ahead of him in every ranking by every service I saw. I know ours. Um, And he'll be, uh, he'll be, he'll be ahead of Jaden Davis. Uh, Tavian St. Clair, I don't know how – that's really an interesting question. By the end of his senior year, where will he be ranked? The sky is the limit. I know that Ohio State feels like he's the top quarterback in the class. And so when you're going with uh, evaluation of quarterbacks, um, I'll go with That's a good place to I, go. Yeah, exactly. That's a good place to go. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here to pay some podcast bills at the 14-minute mark, and we'll come back. we got some more great questions here. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, we are back. And if you see me moving, I'm scratching the dog so he does not bark. Uh, Backs. Does Ohio State have any elite speed guys on the roster? A la Teddy Ginn and Paris Campbell. That's a high Um bar. I mean, like I was going to say, yeah, there's some elite speed guys, but then you break out Teddy Ginn, who is the most effortlessly fast player we've ever seen at Ohio State, so the bar might be a little higher. But we got some guys that can run on this team. I mean, Ballard's one of the fastest guys out there. You know, some of the young guys coming in at receiver are quick too. And by the way, if you talk, hear them talk about some of the guys that we have at corner, there's a few of them that in a 40-yard dash can go. So – uh, Ohio State's not a slow team, but I mean, Ted Ginn Jr. in Paris Campbell were a li- little different level. I mean, those are two guys that people kind of openly wondered if they could compete to be in like, you know, world championship sprinting events. That's a little different bar there. <laughs> so I think I think Ohio State's very fast. Are they Ted Ginn Jr. fast? No, I don't know about that. That that's, And even that with Ted. Ted was an, like a guy that people talked about potentially be like, you know, being a guy who, if he wanted to focus on sprinting instead of football could have been an Olympic sprinter. Right. But like at the end of the day, Ginn had not just track speed, he had football speed, man. And that's a real thing. Like Jerry Rice was never the fastest running sprints, but then he got on the field who caught him. No one. Right. Ted Ginn had football speed on top of his otherworldly just sprinter speed. So, you know, that's something you have to factor in here is who, who's, Who's got that football speed, if you will? So, at the end of the day, I think Ohio State's more than fast enough. If I had to pick somebody, I mean, Ballard's pretty damn fast. He'd be one of the first names out of my mouth. Um, you know, I think Abuka's pretty quick, too. But at the end of the day, Ted Ginn Jr., he's a special player. <laughs> Let's be real here. <laughs> I think you made the key point there. If Ted Ginn and Paris Campbell had opted to focus on track only, they probably would have been in contention to be on our four by one team. Um, that's real speed. People forget Paris Campbell holds the record for receptions in a season here. And most, at least half of them were that little quick shovel to him to get the edge. And man, you didn't have an angle. Good gracious. That's real speed. Um, yeah. Sleepers. Goat it. Sleeper in the secondary is Kai Stokes. Your thoughts. <laughs> I love Kai Stokes. Uh, from the moment that he arrived on campus, I thought the guy was excellent. Um, there's a log jam of people at that position right now, but he's one that I'd want to see on the field. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. And we're all talking about Sonny Styles right here. I mean, he's he's like, you know, six foot four already. He might be six foot five by the time it's all said and done. 240 pounds. 
that's the biggest safety you'll ever see. So there's a discussion as to how does Styles play? Does he need to be closer to the line of scrimmage? Does he need to act like a default third linebacker almost in a lot of ways because of his athletic gifts? Maybe he's that guy. If he's that big and he can run with these guys, then you leave him, obviously. I mean, that's that's a freak-level position. But Stokes is a guy that needs to get on the field. Uh, he's a guy that ever since he got here, I was impressed with. The, I agree. Stokes is a guy that I think is going to make some plays over the course of the season for OSU, and at some point in his career is going to be a starter. Whether that's this year or not, I don't know. But he's a very good player, and he's one that people should be talking about left and right. I'm texting my – I apologize. I'm texting my daughter to come get the dog. Team 18-year-old girl sleep in, if you were wondering. Um, yeah, Kai Stokes, that was like a Malik Cooker performance in the spring game, and we've all been geeked mm-hmm. since. Obviously, it takes a lot more to put it together on the field. High hopes, uh, for sure. I would think another uh, the year he had in the weight room will certainly help. He's a little bit skinny, so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll rest on mixed laurels there and think uh, he can pull that off. What is going on with Day's offense against Michigan? People were angry at the defense, but it was a blow-up because the offense couldn't find the end zone in back-to-back years on paper. There isn't one reason why they should be beating Ohio State, let alone blowing them out. We probably all agree with that. Your thoughts? Uh, we're blaming the offense? Wait, wait, come on. Like, really? Did you watch either game? Like, am I insane here? The reason we lost those games is because our defenses were garbage. The game in Ann Arbor, they couldn't get a stop. Like, literally couldn't get off the field. So, like, you're, you're, you're telling me that the offense not – if you look at those two games, I think over the course of those two games, C.J. Stroud threw for a combined 700-something yards. Like, the offense wasn't the issue here. Yeah, they at the, at the key points in the game where Michigan was ripping off 40-yard touchdowns every time they touched the damn ball, we would have liked to have seen them score. Okay, situationally, you can point out here or there. Day's offense wasn't the issue in those games. What, what do we give up combined in two years? 80-something points? Like, the, the statistical worst game in Ohio State football history on defense was against Michigan. This isn't an offense thing. It was our defense was hot garbage and couldn't get off the field or win at the line of scrimmage. Are you kidding me? This is one of the stupidest opinions I've ever seen on the Michigan game. Yes, there's things the offense could have done a little bit better. It was all the defense. It's 100% defense. I'm with you. Uh, Fairfax Buck asked, why was the Fong BM5 thread locked? That's not a team-related question. Uh, I will let you know that uh, apparently I besmirched the the honor of some uh, SEC types, and uh, that thread was about to get really out of control, so I had to nip it in the bud there. Having besmirched the honor of the SEC types a few times in my my career, uh, they're, they're vocal. They don't uh, they don't like it when you point that out. Don't ever say a bad word about Auburn. Yeah, I've taken a few L's on that one before. Facts. You got to vamp for a sec here. Okay, so I'm going to tell a story. No, no, I'm going to ask the next question. Here's the next question. Oh, he doesn't want to hear the story. (laughs) Can we have 2,000-yard receivers? Will we? Oh, yeah. I I think we'll have 2,000-yard receivers for sure. Uh, The question is going to be, do we we maybe have three? I think that's going to be a bigger debate here because if you look at how – Marv is going to have of a season and Emeka is going to have of a season. Both of those two guys are going to come back and be big time players. I think that comes to a fundamental point though here is that if you believe in Kyle McCord as the quarterback at Ohio state, like a lot of people seem to at this point, uh, 
I really think that you're going to see a lot of passing opportunities for these guys. But I also think that once the, the a lot of these games get out of hand and your veteran big guns is sort of eaten a little bit in first halves, you're going to see some of these younger guys. And that's why a guy like Ballard or one of these younger wide receivers that are coming in, they're going to be on the field a little bit more. So if a game is sitting there at halftime against Indiana and it's 35 nothing, and you, you're going to get Ibuka, you're going to get Harrison off the field. You're not going to risk those guys in those scenarios. You're going to get more opportunities for the Carnell Tates of the world, right? So you're going to get these younger guys in those positions. And I think what you're going to see is a guy like Ballard, who sort of straddles that veteran younger line that have been here longer, is he's probably a guy that's going to stay on the field a little bit longer. So if Ohio State's in position where in some of these games you're trying to get the younger guys out there, Ballard still needs that run. So I could easily see him being a guy that by the end of the season is sitting on a 1,000 yards too. So I could easily see it being three of them this year. Ohio State's not going to stop throwing the ball. And they're not going to stop being a big-time team that moves the ball. Even when the backups come in, this isn't the days of Jim Trestle anymore where your backup comes in and he goes one for two in the second half and we have 35 runs. You will still let these younger quarterbacks throw the ball a little bit. So I could easily see, see it being three 1,000-yard receivers this year. That's a, I mean, that's that'll be tough, but I definitely think you're going to get two. I mean, if we don't mm-hmm. get 2,000-yard receivers, just based on our approach, uh, that would be seriously concerning to me. I would think there'd be an injury scenario, and one of those guys had 800 yards and missed a few games. I could see something like that happening, but, you know – it, or you could have like a situation where one of them has a huge year, somebody gets a little bit banged up, right? And then, um, you know, you have two or three other guys that end up with 700 to 900 yards. It wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of ways this could play out. Kids and dogs, people, kids and dogs. Um, Brighton Buck asked a question that we you kind of addressed already, but I'll uh, – he pitches it forward a little bit. Sonny Styles is six foot four, 225 pounds, and growing. Not only has Ohio State never had a safety that big, as a 19-year-old, he is already significantly bigger than any of the NFL's top 20 ranked safeties. I know he's a special athlete and needs to be on the field, but I wonder if safety is ultimately his best spot. Yes, he's quick and fast for his size, but I'm not sure he's as quick and fast as a safety running with elite wide receivers needs to be your thoughts. So I'm going to give you a statistic that I looked up whenever I saw that question listed. Um, Sean Taylor, who is the definition of the big safety, the guy that everyone wants to compare Sonny Styles to, was only six foot two in 230. He was not bigger than that. Now, at this point, you have to remember that Sonny Styles is still young. And Sonny Styles is living in an, an era, if you will, where there have been bigger guys that that play some of these corner positions. It used to be if you're over 5'11", you're not going to be able to play a, a coverage spot. And if you have a six-foot safety, it was a big deal. Six-foot-one safety. They were usually the guys that were the hammers going up towards the line of scrimmage. They weren't the guys that could cover. So Styles is a, a, is a unicorn right now because it looks like he can run with these guys. It looks like he can move with these these receivers that you're going to want him out there covering while tackling like a linebacker. And guess what? If that's the new hybrid role that's hard to find, then, hey, we have a very, very, very special player in our hand. So uh, what I would look at it as, and what I think the OSU staff looks at it as, is that as long as he can do it, they're going to let him, right? He has to show that he can't cover 
well enough to play safety before you consider moving him up to the line of scrimmage, right? They're going to let this guy run at that position. And if he can do what he did against Georgia, then they're going to leave him there because he's good enough athletically to do it. Now, if he ends up growing another inch or two and he's six foot six, we might be looking at it like, oh boy, I don't know what's going on here. But have you ever seen the NBA where there's six foot six guys that can really, really, really move? You know, I know it's a more physical sport, but it's as 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 these players and these athletes just keep getting more and more impressive every year. Is it so crazy to think a six foot four safety could go out and at 230 or even 40 pounds run with some of these guys? I mean, we always think of the freak guys as like the defensive ends, right? Maybe we have a safety. There's a potential that he's that unicorn, that he's the new he's the new guy that everybody's going to want. And I think that potential is enough to let him try to do it. I mean, if, if anybody can, um, from a gift standpoint, it will be sunny. All right. We're running a little bit long here. I'm going to ask two more questions, and they're both uh, kind of the obvious ones. 32 Buckeye Forever had a bunch of good stuff on here, and I think we covered most of it, actually. But how do you see the best utilization of the five talented running backs? You know, that's a that's a that's the million dollar question, right? Um, because you have to keep them happy while balancing what the needs of the team are, right? I think my strategy would be figure out who the hot hand is in a game and stick with them. But you know, at the same time, each of them have different unique skill sets, right? I think Evan Pryor catching the ball out of the backfield is a weapon that nobody's talking about right now because he's sort of out of sight, out of mind with his knee injury. But he's a guy that. Uh, I could see catching a lot of passes and being very dangerous player on those short screens. Uh, I, I have a lot of faith in that kid, having seen how good he could be. He's a player that nobody's talking about. I think Trainum is the guy that everybody sort of knows what he brings to the table, right? Um, he's he's a player that, at the end of the day, I think that if you had to pick a fifth, it's him right now. And that's because I think there's a reason OSU staff wanted him at linebacker until the depth issues just hit them too hard. And they said, all right, we can't have that happen again. So he's a bit of the safety valve there. Um, I think Trey Henderson is a guy that has breakaway speed potential. I think he dances too much in the hole right now. And that's something he's going to have to learn. Whereas Mayan Williams will run you over, but isn't going to probably break too many of those 80 yard touchdowns against elite teams. Uh, that's sort of the balance across those positions. And then you got the young guy who was way better last year than everybody thought that he should have been as a true freshman. So there's a lot of different skills that these guys bring to the table. But eventually, you know, you can only have so many games where you have four running backs with five carries. You're going to have to start having some sort of a pecking order here. And I think they're being smart not committing to one at this point because you don't want these guys to go anywhere. You need that depth. That's the whole argument here. But the best utilization is we're going to have to have a couple guys that we go with. It, it's that old adage about having two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have five running backs, how many do you really have when it comes to crunch time? They won't do this, but I'd love for them just to pick any two of them and put them in bubble wrap till about uh, two weeks left to go in the season. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> just, just to guarantee we don't go into the same issue we had uh, last time. Ironically, it was Darren Dorsey who appreciates the dogs in the background. It was my son, Darren, who came down and thankfully took the dog. He was none too pleased about being woken up uh, this early. 
teenagers or 21 year olds, whatever they are. All right, last question. Let's just do it like this. I'll combine them all into things. How much confidence do you have in Kyle McCord? Right now, I'd say seven out of 10. We haven't seen him, so those other three are going to be how are you when the when the when the real bullets are flying in your face? Because the only time we've seen him is against Akron, and that let's just say that that wasn't really an equal battle. So, um, I I I think I have a lot of confidence that he can be as good as we hope he is. Certainly, Ryan Day feels that way, but the rubber hasn't met the road yet per se, and there there is a persistent little voice in my ear about. You know, was McCord really the number one or two quarterback in his class, or was he looking a little good because he threw to Marvin Harrison throughout high school? So those are hurdles that we're going to have to overcome. Uh, so right now, seven is probably a re- pretty reasonable spot where I'm at with him, and that I'm pretty sure he's starting. Like th- the price that Mercedes Benz, sure he's starting, but the flip side is, how's he going to perform, especially on the heels of C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields being exceptional and pretty much from the start being exceptional players for Ohio state. So those last three out of 10 are going to be the difference between beating Michigan, beating Penn state, winning at Wisconsin on the road. And that stuff he has to earn in my eyes. I think he has the ability to do it. I think Ryan day is going to put enough weapons around him to make life very easy for him, but he still has to go out and do it. And he's his own kid. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, We've seen two different but very productive players in Stroud and Fields the last run through here. And really three if you go back to Haskins, because Haskins was very different than both of them. So we're going to see what McCord can do. But I think a 7 out of 10 is where my head is right now. I mean, when was the last time you really saw an Ohio State quarterback struggle? I mean, struggle, struggle. Like a guy who was in there where you were like, I don't know if this guy should be in there long term. There really has not been the case for a good – I mean, the uh, lightning rod that was JT Barrett, maybe. Yeah. And, listen, and JT had a really nice career here, too. So yeah. I have a lot of confidence in the brain trust that's developing the quarterbacks right now. Um, I can't say that any more clearly. You've got some of the – this is the, you know, elite of the elite of the elite when it comes to producing quarterbacks. The last four who've taken a snap as a starter – I finished the season at the Heisman ceremony. So I would mm-hmm. say that's a pretty, pretty good, uh, pretty good shot. And now everyone's throwing their names up in there. And if someone could produce the Joe Bowserman meme about where the, sh- the throws went that one game, that is the funniest meme in the history of Ohio State football. Here. And yeah, 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 exactly. And here. <laughs> and here. I got it right here, guys, except it was at Nebraska, not at Ohio Stadium. That's hilarious. All right, we appreciate uh, the People's Champ stopping by. He'll be back next Wednesday, hopefully with Dave Biddle. Good Lord. Have a good one, Bucknutters. normal what's normal the paramount plus original series evil returns we've already hunted werewolves and demons and now what 
A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus.